Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Advisory Services. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today's topic of conversation is about dismantling dysfunction in organizations. And I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Ann Dranaceris and Heather Dranaceris Hilliard, who are the founders of Caliber Leadership Systems. Ann, Heather, thank you for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourselves and then we'll get started. So Anne and I have been working uh, together for almost 25 years with a sort of special focus in on organizations and leaders and our core specialty is around dysfunction in organizations and in leadership. And we work with our clients to help them put in the systems and the behaviors that are really necessary to support their organizations to be successful. And each, each of us has come from a very different background relative to our education and experience. Myself coming up as a psychotherapist and a leadership coach, branching out into Heather's area of expertise, which is in the organizational systems and structure. And Heather, you can say a bit more about your background in that. So I have more of a, a leaning towards business, and that was where what I studied when I was in university. And, and I went into consulting with a name to help organizations to achieve their potential. Um, so much more of that and what is traditionally thought of as sort of management consulting and strategic consulting type of work, which I blended with Anne's, Anne's behavioral expertise to do the kind of work we do with our clients today. Great. And we, we were relatively first to market in our approach, given that Back in the mid to late 80s, going into an organization and talking about emotions and talking about employee engagement and, and creating an environment in, in which employees feel valued and, and having leaders even recognize the impact of their personality and behavior on performance, it, it really was in its infancy. And, and starting out as a leadership coach, um, I was really motivated to go um, from psychotherapy where people were coming complaining about their leaders and so decided to um, go into that direction to help leaders be more effective with their people. Let's jump in by defining it, okay, if we could please. What is dysfunction and what causes it inside organizations? <laughs> Dysfunction, we, we often think about as dysfunction as sort of one of the, the norms in, in life, right? Because as soon as you, whenever you have the opportunity for function or for things to be functional, you have the opportunity for things to be dysfunctional. Um, in the organizational context or from a leadership perspective, when we talk about dysfunction, it's where the behavior of the individuals that are in that ecosystem, it isn't working in alignment with what it is that the business and the people actually need. And so we talk about all of the different types of dysfunction, um, and there are many in organizational life and from a leadership perspective, but really it's a set of uh, behaviors and patterns and habits um, that are played out in the organizational context that leads to things not functioning the way they need to be functioning. And much of the work that, that Heather and I do is customized to meet the needs of the organization because we don't come with a model of 
this is the functional model that leaders need to use or organizations need to create because each culture is different. The values of the leaders, the work product, how people need to work, it's all very different. And so dysfunction in one organization might be normal functioning in another. But we look, we look more to the leaders and how their behavior is impacting the performance of people and the organization. And in particular, when normal functioning or successful functioning has not been defined. When we talk about leadership, I know you both have spoken about the fear of leading and something that you call permissive leadership. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? We, we love this conversation. In fact, we, I was just with a client the other day and we were talking about the, the degree to which permissive leadership is at play. And, and essentially what it is, is that when, you know, we started off with a leadership model decades ago that was much more autocratic and, and people were fearful of their leaders who were very uh, authoritarian in their approach. And we sort of swung the pendulum over to where, um, you know, leaders were told that they had to keep their employees happy and they had to be really collaborative and consensus oriented and all of these other pieces and where we found ourselves as leaders in most of our client organizations where they are not leading and they're certainly not leading with any form of authority they are too afraid to say to their employees this is what's expected of you or to say to their employee no don't do it that way I want it done this way and this is what I expect of you and and so we have this level of permissiveness that's creeped into organizations where employees are defining for themselves and feel entitled to be able to do so, uh, what it is they're going to do, how they're going to do it. I mean, we have examples from clients where employees are saying, well, you know, that that's too soon of a deadline for me. I want, I want an extra week to get that done. And so the leaders don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to go in and direct their employees and really hold them accountable. And so we see this fear, their fear of actually being leaders and leading with any form of authority is a major challenge in organization that leads to a lot of dysfunction. Anne, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, just to add to that, that um, in a marketplace right now and in, in where we are, and I think in the United States as well, where um, the, the absence of skilled employees for particular uh, roles and the fear that if, if the leader manager, they're not nice to their employees or they're, they're too directive or, or they don't give the employees enough freedom to do things their own way, the employee's going to leave. And that's one of the biggest fears that we find um, our, our leaders struggle with, and, and they really believe it. It's not that they actually have a lot of experience with saying to an employee, for example, you know, I've asked you to get the, this report in without errors. I noticed five errors. Please correct it and do it again. Like just simple feedback like that. They're afraid that if they say that, the employee will say, you can't, you can't talk to me like that. I'm leaving. And, and, I, and so it's so it's so exaggerated this fear that they have. I just want to add to that. We're we're talking at all, all levels of the organization. I mean, we have CEOs that are permissive. 
where they do not even direct the members of their executive team around performance expectations. And we have one, one client, for example, that, you know, they've got a sec, what, you know, a lower tier leader who's basically setting their own work plan without having to report into the executive team or having the executive team provide any direction to this individual because this leader is so permissive and doesn't want to interfere what they deem to be someone else's area of expertise. So, so this isn't just sort of mid-level management challenges. These are executive level challenges. Um, and as soon as you've got an executive team that's being permissive, it permeates all the way down through the organization. Yeah. And, and Heather, for folks who are watching or listening and want to learn more about you or how they might work with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Our website is uh, dranitsaris-hilliard.com, um, and it pretty much links to all of the different aspects of our work that we do with organizations, with individuals, and all of our resources and books that are available to, to folks. All right. Rather than go down a rabbit hole here, we're going to take a quick pause. So uh, you folks back in the production studio there, we're going to take a break here. Uh, for you watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Aloha, Joe Silva here with Kakua Technologies. I'm excited to see you on Tuesdays on Morning Coffee for our tech tips. Let's face it, lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer with a mix of interesting guests to talk about current events and hot legal topics. Let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. A stroke can be easy to detect. A loved one can't speak. Perhaps they can't move. But there's another sign of a stroke that many of us can't see. It's called spatial neglect, and it can occur during or after a stroke, causing distorted visual movements. Fortunately, there's a solution by using optical prism technology during rehabilitation. If you or a loved one have experienced a stroke, ask your doctor about spatial neglect. Spatial neglect. See the whole picture at KesslerFoundation.org. Are you part of the Great Resignation? Are you a business owner that would like to diversify your business holdings? Have you always had an entrepreneurial itch but did not have a concept to get you started? Milestone Franchising represents over 500 franchise concepts across 30 industries. Concepts range from $20,000 to $6 million, and they can be home-based, office-based, mobile, or brick-and-mortar. We guide you through the process to select which concept is best for you based upon your core competencies, your interests, and your financials. Milestone Franchising is part of the International Franchise Professionals Group, IFPG, and will bring a host of resources to assist you in your quest for business ownership. When you work with a certified franchise consultant, you gain access to a professional process that helps you succeed in your search for the right placement. Finding the best placement for you within the franchising world of 4,000 concepts is the objective. Matching your skills and goals with a culture that fits you best is the priority. 
For a free consultation, visit our website at milestonefranchising.com. Milestone Franchising is here to lead you in a new direction. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about dismantling dysfunction in organizations with Dr. Ann Drantaseris and her daughter, Heather Drantaseris Hilliard. Uh, welcome back for round two. Ladies, uh, I want to jump right in here and talk about a topic that, interestingly enough, you know, it, it's always in our, our, I guess, awareness, but I've had several conversations with leaders this week who've actually brought up the topic of imposter syndrome. Can you talk about what that is and how leaders can overcome that? Well, in, in this, it's a very complex subject, and, and most of the time it's approached in a superficial fashion, like I have the imposter syndrome, or I have to get rid of it, or I have to, you know, I can't do this because I feel like an imposter, and people are really focusing on, on those symptoms, but Essentially and, and simplistically, as we develop, we develop a, a coping persona, as it were. And when, when leaders in particular are operating from the idea of, I'm trying to be an ideal leader or a great leader, they're actually not focusing on developing up themselves. And, and so they put on a persona or a mask, something that they put out to the world to hide their underlying insecurity. And, and what it does is it causes a lot of emotionally driven behaviors, a lot of coping and compensating because they're not actually addressing the issue that they haven't really developed up emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and those really concrete skills that they need to lead people. While they may be exceptional at leading their function and, and leading the business, which is more left brain driven, the people side of leadership causes them to go into that persona to try and be permissive, as Heather was saying, that, you know, that nice guy letting people do whatever, or just being really autocratic and, and doing things as my way or the highway. So, so really underlying it is this this undeveloped person that, that needs to be attended to and isn't because they're way too busy just trying to cope. But client that I was working with that they're working with right now, and she's a great example of this. And we talk a lot about, um, you know, her, her imposter syndrome and how it plays out. But one of the things that's most telling, I think, is those folks in leadership roles that have it is they they tell themselves stories. Right. And, and so their brain tricks them by saying things like, who, who are you to do this? You don't have enough experience. They're more of an expert or, you know, someone else must know how to do this better than I do. And so because they've got these automatic negative thoughts that are very unhelpful for them, sort of running in their in, in the background in their brain, and they haven't, as Anne said, learned that sort of level of self-awareness to, to look at that thought and say, am I being objective here? Is this a subjective? Is this a voice from the past that I'm bringing into the present so that they can 
can actually work to move out of it because it's incredibly paralyzing. As Anne says, we, we see it play out in terms of how they adapt their behavior. And for this one particular client, as she goes into a place of paralysis, if she doesn't think she has the perfect answer or the perfect solution or she can't find it somewhere else out there for someone to what to do. It's like she stops herself from leading in her own business and in her own role. And, and that's the challenge. And that's why we, a lot of the work we do with our clients is for the, from a development perspective is helping them to work through and develop up those skills that are so fundamental in order to move them out of the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and when we talk about leadership, um, it's not just about getting your teams to do things. And it's certainly not just about being liked. You talk about something that's called the developing of the followership of employees. Why don't you share that with our audience? Well, it, it really connects to what Heather was saying earlier about where we've come from in terms of the evolution of how leaders lead in business. And prior to to our generation or this current generation of, of how people lead, it was autocratic. People expected their employees, leaders expected their employees to follow them. It wasn't something they ever felt they needed to cultivate in people. And now with employees coming with different expectations and of course, more of that sense of entitlement that they're entitled to do things their own way, they, they may not have learned how to follow. And leaders aren't really recognizing that that is something that is teachable. It's something that if they recognize the employee isn't following directions, they flag it as a competency for development as opposed to getting upset with the person um, for not doing it right or not following or being entitled and wanting to do things their own way. And, and so when we look at it objectively, when we look at followership as something that isn't naturally cultivated in our young people anymore in the educational system or in parenting, then leaders have to step up and take responsibility for ensuring that their employees know how to follow. And, and sometimes we start with really simple things with the leaders, like saying to them, you know, before an employee gets to tell you how to do it differently, you ha they have to master the way that you do it today. Because that's a really common one there where we see it builds in entitlement pretty quickly where the leaders are allowing brand new employees coming in and they like, I don't want to do it like this or I don't want to take notes when I come to a meeting. That's not the way I do things. And the leader's allowing it as opposed to saying, nope, my way first, you follow my way, my direction. And then after you've been in the role for 60 days or 90 days and you've demonstrated mastery, then we can talk about some of your ideas for improvement. So it's, it's not um, it's not a big undertaking to do it. It's in some of these simple things uh, that leaders can start to do right away. And and even having that conversation of, I gave you specific direction and you didn't follow it, what made you think you didn't have to follow my direction? We use that one a lot. Um, and we do talk about insubordination, which was a term I know when I first started working, it was grounds for dismissal. Uh, and leaders have forgotten about the fact that there is when an employee flat out refuses to follow your direction, that is insubordination. And you need to manage that from a performance perspective. Yeah, I mean, these are tough things for leaders, especially uh, new managers who are coming into roles and don't have practical experience, because what you're talking about could be perceived as being rigid, right? Oh, my boss uh, told me that I can't do it this way. I don't understand it. So uh, that's, a, that's a tough conversation to have for sure. So good advice. Uh, Anne and Heather, for folks who uh, might want to connect with you or 
Uh, I know that you've authored three books and another one on the way. Uh, if they'd like to get a copy of any of those or all of those, how can they find you? So our website is probably the, the best place to find everything. Um, our uh, access to our books um, is joanetsaris-hillier.com. Uh, all of our resources um, are podcasts, uh, Dismantling Dysfunction, um, as well as a way into all of our uh, videos, learning videos that we have available on our YouTube platform as well. All, all can be found by just going over to joanetsaris-hillier.com. Yeah, and, and definitely... Uh, of course, to find our, our books, all of our books um, are available on Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, whichever country one happens to be in. Great. And definitely check out that website because there's an interesting backstory here about this mother-daughter team that uh, we're not going to have time to get into here, but it's definitely worth a good read. So do check that out. Um, and Heather, I want to talk a little bit about, we'll call it getting inside the numbers, if you will, and talking about business value and connecting the dots between leadership skills and the impact on the value of a business. Talk about the limitations of leaders and how that impacts the business. And just so you know, we're coming down to the uh, the last couple of innings here, about five minutes to go. Well, what we've been talking about throughout, throughout our conversation today is leaders right out of the gate being directive because the most efficient and effective way of getting the one's desired results in an organization is defining them and communicating them effectively. Organizational silos can be created that create conflict um, between people in the organization causing retention issues. And, and it's not just the productivity that becomes inefficient or ineffective, it's actually um, employees don't get that opportunity to really develop up and master their skill set. And so the value of the employee to the organization isn't, um, it doesn't move along in, in that same way that it might when, when a manager leads to expectations. So, so that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's just very simply put one of the, you know, the things that we flag around decreased productivity, increased conflict, decreased um, satisfaction with the job, um, presenteeism, absenteeism. These are all of the things that we find in organizations when leaders are being excessively permissive with their employees. Yeah, Heather, anything? That impacts the bottom line. Yeah, for sure. Heather, anything you'd like to add to that? I think we've lost Heather. I think we've lost Heather. Okay. And so uh, just one more quick question here before we wrap then. Uh, I want to talk about micromanaging. Uh, you, you kind of hinted around it when we talk about the idea of leaders telling new employees, you know, do it my way first before we can change. Uh, is that micromanaging? And, and how can leaders get out of that micromanager mode? And how, how can they even, frankly, be aware that they are one? In, in our book, So You Think You Can Lead, we, we outline the four stages of performance development. And when leaders and employees look at performance in, in, through stages, they recognize that being directive is very different than being, my, um, being a micromanager. Um, being directive means that you set the expectation for how something is done because you're the expert. Micromanagement actually comes out of anxiety. And when we talk to our clients about it, they recognize, they clearly recognize the difference because they're not hovering over their employees because they're anxious about the employee not being able to do something. They want to make sure that their employee 
has everything that they need and there's been clarity around expectations so that they'll be successful at their job. And without being directive, they decrease the ability of the employee to be successful. And, and so the likelihood of an employee having to redo something if you're not being explicit and directive as a, as a leader increases. So, so that's the, the, the difference. A micromanager hovers. It's their need to be in control. Their fear that the employee isn't going to meet their, their deadline for whatever reason. It has more to do with that individual than an actual leadership style. And, and so giving that language, changing that language to, I'm not micromanaging you, I'm being explicit in my instruction. I'm giving you direction and clear expectation. That's a great actionable tip. And on that, and unfortunately we are out of time, I want to thank you and of course Heather for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Well, thank you so much.